Derek and Mike podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for listening. My name is Mike. This is my boy Derek. What's up, Mike? How Thank you, doing, brother. How you doing today? Fucking great, dude. Doing good. And you? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm much better than I sound. Yeah, you sound uh, COVIDy. Like I said. Yeah, you know, and I don't know if I had COVID or not. I may have. Um, it really was just a sore throat that huh. I kind of struggle with for like three days, and here I am. Well, that's what they all say, and everyone follows it up with, but it's not COVID. Oh, I don't care if it was COVID or not. Oh. Oh. Derek's reckless. I'm, He's yeah, a I'm reckless. without a cause. That's right. He's reckless. He's dangerous. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to survive. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, if you do die, don't do it on the podcast. That, that, <laughs> that would be bad. Like, oh, oh no. Oh, what's happening to me? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Crazy stuff. Did you think you ever caught COVID? I know I didn't. Uh um yeah, there's a couple times that I think I could have, you know. All right. Uh, yeah, I would say. Do you, do you get sick often? No, I really don't. I um uh, I mean, there, there's a, there was a time where I was getting sick often, and it was mostly when our daughter was uh, the preschool age. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the boogery. I'm just starting to go to school with other kids who are also boogery age. Man, that preschool age is tough. That's like, oh, are you just starting to get into that now? Uh, not yet. Our, our older our older boy is two and a half, uh, so he is very close to starting to go into some sort of a, you know daycare learny kind of a thing a couple times a week or or preschool i think is what in in when he's three or something i think is what yeah about three thinking. uh she's in charge of that trajectory so whatever she says uh but i think yeah he's gonna start going to some sort of an in-home child care i think she's looking for like a montessori in-home kind of a thing where he's also learning um while he's there is what she's looking for so not yet but soon is the answer yeah, I, I echo the same sentiment that you do about um, it's her choice. You know, she takes care yeah. of that. And uh, Megan has always been that that motherly protector where she'll yeah. go and visit a place. And, you know, being her child, especially, she knows immediately. Oh, yes yeah. Or no. yeah. And you know, yeah, that's the, the beauty of the mother, the, kids, the mother instinct. Sure. Well, and I think uh, for me, any effort or time that I put into researching a place is wasted. Um, so I just let her do it because it's going to happen when she's ready and she's going to pick the place and all that. So I just, uh, right. I just take a backseat to that decision-making, uh, process and timeline. So that makes it easier for me. Smart man. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I, I really didn't do much either. Yeah, um, no. And I'm willing to, I mean, if she ever says, Hey, would you mind helping me find a school? I would fucking dedicate time and thought and energy to it immediately. But, uh, for now at least, that would be wasted time and energy and thought. So I will save it. Yeah, we, we did have one sort of non-winner uh, for a first preschool. But, I mean, she did get a good feeling about it uh, somewhat. And it was the best one we could find that wasn't, like, really far away. And it was at the time when we lived in L.A. And um, it was really kind of a hippie place. It was, like, 
somewhat mega hippie. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like Grateful Dead, a Grateful Dead place, and really didn't have much structure, but the oh, people wow. were nice, you know. Yeah. What do you mean Grateful Dead? How were they hippie? What were they doing? Were they like hugging trees or wearing like Birkenstocks or something? Or Well, the name of the place was like something like Sunshine Daydreams or something oh. like that. Moonstar and, and yeah. Yeah, Yikes. it was like Sunshine Daydreams uh, um, preschool. And then the, the owner of it, he was a guy and he had his mom work there. And he had like real long hair. He was kind of totally Grateful Dead-ish, you know. And mm. um, mother was a little like bit a- weird, but. Okay, kids, today's activity is making tie-dye t-shirts. Cool, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's kind of good. Uh, yeah, it was It was okay. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, until they start breaking out the bong and, and uh, stuff like that, I suppose it's it's okay. Yeah, as long as they're smoking the bong in the back, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, no, hippies don't smoke bongs, though. They smoke, like, uh, joints and, and uh, all that. Boy, I sound, like, old and lame. Um they smoke doobies, Derek. So I'm not a hippie then, I guess. I guess not. Do you rip a bong or do you smoke doobies? Uh, I'm more of a kind of bong guy. Oh. Well, even any kind of smoking leaf marijuana is kind of an old guy thing these days. Um, and uh, kids are all now like vaping and smoking these weird like synthetic uh, weed things now that I don't entirely understand. So anything beyond normal you know putting fire on pot uh, is new to me but i think that makes me an old guy now well see and i don't understand that and uh because from from what i've heard uh actual leaf stuff is like full spectrum and you get you get the full response on that you you get like the full spectrum of the feeling you know and you don't get it through these little vapes that just kind of uh, distill out the thc and uh, leave out all the other, um, I don't know, trimeclorides, whatever the hell they're called. Oh, oh, wow. You went outside. <laughs> I just, I made that up. I have no oh, idea. Oh. <laughs> oh, it sounded, sounded fancy. You know, like when you're pretending like what, like, you know what you're talking about at the, at the mechanic or something. And, you know, he, he you're just kind of like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's the, uh, it's the, uh, the cylinder rocker or something going bad, right? <laughs> my, uh, my, my, uh, pellicular joint or whatever. And he's just like, huh? Yeah. This guy doesn't know shit. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm an expert at making myself sound fancy, so thank you. Yeah, well, in your in your data driven field, it's important to sound like you know what you're talking about, even if you don't. Um, it's a good skill to cultivate. Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, you know, I I think a lot of that goes hand in hand with a lot of the business speak that you know the corporate business speak. I think we've talked about that before, but man, I'll tell you what, I caught myself the other day. Uh, talking like that like without even like thinking about it i was like hey man that's a big unlock and i just like wanted to punch myself (laughs) (laughs) that's a big unlock let's unlock that (laughs) let's with synergy Uh, teamwork makes the dream work oh god (laughs) yeah one of those stupid posters with a fucking you know cat hanging from a branch or something perseverance like oh fuck you somebody literally in our company and i like the guy don't get me wrong but i i think in all seriousness like when he sent an email to us he finished it with teamwork makes the dream work oh oh fuck that guy (laughs) 
I don't that, like that guy. That guy Are wants more of, policy. Oh, <laughs> uh, that guy wants a raise. He's like trying to stand out. You know, he's uh, he's the kind of guy who's CCing his manager on all mundane communication via email, uh, looping people in, just like, hey, just just so you have a, just so you stay in the loop. Uh, he's that guy, and he wants those people to think that he's super teamworky. Obviously, that's the image he's trying to project, and uh, he bugs me. I don't even know him, but that guy sucks. Yeah, it was it was it was difficult today. I mean, I sat there just it, it wasted a lot of my time because I sat there just pondering like, is <laughs> he serious or is he joking? Like, I, I gotta know. What? I, it, what yeah, what makes this guy think that's a useful thing to add into this this email chain? Um, and how is this how is this creating anything but negative opinions of him? You know what I mean? Is he really sitting there thinking like, yeah, I'm good? Or he probably searched and really thought about adding that to his signature. And when he finally decided on teamwork makes the dream work, he probably got really like self satisfied, and he's just kind of like, yeah, people are going to be like, Bill's on the ball. Bill's a good team player. People are going to think good things about me. This is going to advance my career here. I'm going to add this into my signature. And everyone who sees it will be impressed by my teamwork mindset. Yeah. Click save. And, and like, what kind of douchey, ego-driven bullshit is that? As if anyone gives a flying fuck what's in his signature and as if it affects anyone else's uh, behavior or thoughts or anything other than, shut up, Bill, you're lame. That's really all it generates. I agree. And, and like, to me, it was like, I mean, it scared me. Like, I, <laughs> I, I just, I'm like, I think I know this guy. And then he sends some shit like this. Teamwork makes the dream work. And, like, you, you got to follow that up. You can't just say teamwork. Like, like, that is the hokiest statement I've ever heard in my life. And uh, I, don't, I don't believe you. <laughs> I just don't believe you. It, it makes you skeptical. You're just like, hmm, now I'm not so sure about you, Bill. I thought you were cool, but now nah, teamwork makes the dream work. You're off my, my, my Christmas list. Now, I will say that, you know, sometimes I can jump to conclusions, and sometimes they are the wrong conclusions because there have been people that we've hired before that when I initially met, I remember saying, there is no way this person could be this nice. There's no way. This is a, this guy's faking it. He is not being honest. And I found out recently, like with this particular person, I was wrong. He really wow. is that, that nice of a person. He's and, been here three years and he's still at that super bubbly, uh, ridiculously, unbelievably nice level. Maybe he is just that nice. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you, 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 you hear people sometimes they're just not right off the bat. You're like, Oh, come on, take it down a notch. Come yeah, on. You're trying too hard. Come on, relax, be yourself. But either he's kept this up, kept the act up for three years now, or he's uh, really that nice. He's really that nice. So, wow. So I suppose this guy could be the epitome of process and efficiency. Uh, maybe that he's saying this and maybe I should respect that. But, uh, over email, I need more explanation. I'm sorry. Yeah, like below teamwork makes the dream work. There needs to be a link to some sort of a blog that says like, click here to see how I'm putting this statement into action. I'm going to need some uh, supporting documentation of this of this claim. Yeah, I need. We need to uh, have a meeting over this statement that you made here. 
Yeah. It's very yeah, concerning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you use a signature or are you one of those people who are, I feel like, I feel like some people are almost above the signature. So their emails look a lot like a text message. There's no signature, no nothing at the bottom. They'll just kind of type out an email and it comes through a lot like a text would. Other people have just a real standard signature. Some people go over the fucking top, like teamwork is makes the dream work guy. Um, what's your, uh, what's your signature look like? Well, I'll tell you that in one second because I, I have the perfect answer to this and it's not so succinct. And it's happens to be related to your wife. So oh. your wife and I have had this conversation on emails and email signatures before. It's just coming back to me here. And what it comes down to is like it's situational. There are some times where you don't even say hi and you don't say thanks, Derek. You don't say sometimes there's like zero salutation or anything. There's zero signature. Other times it has to be a little bit more. Hi, such and such. Email, email, email. Thanks. So it matters on matters about it depends on the person you're talking to and the situation that you're talking about. All kinds of things can come into play. That's right. It's strategic. I so then say. you don't really, so do you have a, a, a standard automatically inserted as soon as you create a new email type of a signature and then you edit it depending on the person or situation? Or do you create a new one every time depending on the situation? How does this work for you? I don't have one because okay. number one, I don't want people to know like my title, my phone number, my yada, yada, yada. I, I don't want that. And I, I'm not gotcha. in really a customer facing position or or like I shouldn't be in a uh, some yeah. sort of a customer facing position where I have to present that data at anybody. Yeah, you don't really like want your phone number that easy to find to anyone you send an email to. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So I, I keep that. I keep as much private as I can. There's times when I have to add, and the most I'll do is like, "Thanks, Derek." That's about it. <laughs> the, the okay. All right. So when you click new email, there's nothing in there automatically. You don't have any automatic signature that populates no nothing all right how about you so that uh oh yeah 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 well okay so professionally for my work email yeah i'm i'm in sales customer account management kind of role so i've got like a full a full-on signature that includes my office number my cell phone uh my title the whole shebang even a logo my company logo is in there so that automatic automatically loads on every new email i create um and I, I, I very rarely, if ever, edit that. I have taken my cell phone number out of the signature for a couple of emails here and there, but that's pretty rare. Normally, I just leave my, my company email in there. Um, but it's my work email or my work phone cell phone number that's in my company email signature anyway. So that's not too big of a deal to me. If I'm working, I use my company phone and I'm answering it anyway. I want everyone to have that number. And if it's fucking two minutes after quitting time, my cell, my company phone is silent anyway, and I don't pay attention to it. So I don't care if you call me. Um, so that's pretty easy to manage. Um, the only part that I edit is my my uh, what would we call the salutation or the the ending statement. You know, whether I say thanks, comma, Mike, or all the best, exclamation point, or thanks so much, exclamation point, or whatever I say at the end of an email, um, yeah. that 
varies greatly depending on who I'm talking to, what the conversation is about, and my mood. So I think you can probably tell a lot about me and how I'm feeling that day or how I'm feeling about you by my email formatting. My greeting and my exit uh, message, I think, probably says a lot about me. Yeah, that's, that's uh, I think, kind of true for me, too. I, I'm i more of a thanks. I, I kind of default to the thanks guy. I have started to do the regards a little bit here right. and there. You know, right. and, and it's all situational, right? It's like if somebody is asking me for something to, like, I have to do something for somebody, I'm not going to write back to them like, thanks. You know, so you know, sometimes I'll just write Derek or I'll just, say re I have done a couple regards here and there, but you know, I, I, I will say the one that annoys me the most is please advise. Oh, Oh yeah. Fuck you for saying, please advise. Like you're, you're, Thank you're, you. ass you're assigning me something and you're essentially saying, go and do this and report back to me when completed. Thank you. It, there, my little succinct statement for that is there is no please and please advise. So just don't say please advise. Yeah. 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 No, no, I don't. I don't like that guy. No. Or gal, I guess. Anyone. No, I don't like that. Please advise. That's instantly like dicky kind of like, fuck you. Who do you think you are? Or if it comes from my manager, you're almost just kind of like, ah, God damn it. You know, it's something yeah. you have to do because it's your manager. But it's never, uh, it's never well received. That, that's a dicky thing to do to someone. It's like this, it's kind of like, it is, it's totally dicky, right? Because you can write the nicest email in there and then you throw in a please advise underneath it. And what it basically says is ignore that previous email, falls in your court, bitch. Yeah. And report back to me when completed. Yeah. All in, yeah. all in two words. Yeah, please advise. That's like, go do some work and tell me when you're done, essentially, is what you're saying. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so when, when I see that, that, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I, I know this personality type. And there, there may even be a couple situations where you may want to use it. If you're a lawyer, I'm sure you use it all the time. Yeah, I guess if you're doing a lot of those, like, important information is being sent back and forth, maybe there's scenarios where that wouldn't be so loaded with dickitude. <laughs> but I don't know. In, in my experience, it's one of those where you're just like, oh, fuck you, dude. It, it, it's off-putting to me to where I, I, I may still do the thing or because I have to do the thing or whatever, but it's certainly got less urgency and less buy-in on my side when someone says, please advise. Be like, uh, I'll get to it when I get to it. It's so refreshing to hear you say that too, because there's so much subtlety. Well, not subtlety. Well, that's actually not subtle. But if if somebody feels like they're on your team, and they feel and there's trust established, and they n need you to do something, right? You're just not going to say, "Please advise." It, that's just adversarial, and what people don't understand when you say that it negatively reflects on you and you're pretty much, yeah, you're going to get a response, but they're not going to like you and they're not, they're going to do the minimum amount possible to respond to you. 
that that's kind of my thought too is that you're going to be getting the most half-hearted uh minimal work put into it kind of a result from that sort of directive than if you were to be a much more synergistic kind of a person um and and you know kind of make it their idea or go at it like like in in a true teamwork kind of a fashion like hey let's look at let's look at doing it this way or or kind of something where hey you do this and I'll do this and let's see what we come up with or something that sounds a little bit more uh cooperative than please advise please advise is a dicky thing to do fuck those people yeah i've I, used it though have you ever used it i may have but and and I'll tell yeah. you what the times that I've used it I guarantee my email reflected it too. Yeah, the only time I've ever used that is when I am feeling like oh fuck this guy like and I am being a dick and I choose to be a subtle dick and kind of uh flex my authority and show that I'm being a a dick by choosing to use please advise. It's very loaded and I'm doing it on purpose. And I hope you know I hate you when I do it. <laughs> yeah, that's that pretty much sums it up. I mean, there, there's <laughs> there's uses for every word that's in our vocabulary, right? It's not that we yeah. can't use anything. I mean, we can use everything that's available at our, at our disposal. But like, if you do use that, do not try to hide behind the fact that you're not a dick. Do not do it. Yeah, and, yeah, no, own yeah. it. Own it. Own it. Maybe they do. Maybe when I've received it, maybe they're just, you know, pissed at me and they want to be a dick and they, you know, they're throwing it out there and they're very well aware that they're being an asshole. And maybe, maybe that's the case. And my response to them of hating them is, is justified because I know when I've done it, I meant it as an asshole. I'm trying to be a dick. And this is a larger point of just kind of goes back to the the corporate uh, world, but it's the corporate world yet at the same time um, in all interactions, I'll phrase it this way in all interactions, the ideal is to speak to somebody as if you were them, you were the one listening. Right. Yeah. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Right. Just the, the golden rule. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, part of that even morphs into when you start doing that, you you create more of a bond with that person, and um, you know some sometimes it's also difficult to do because you may not like that person, mm-hmm. but it's always the best policy to to do that, and and it, it can't be fake either. Like I, I feel like you know I I have a difficult time doing it fake. Oh, uh, I, I have yeah, a difficult see, time sales, being a fake. Big yeah. part of my job is is uh, I think faking that uh uh i don't know reverence isn't the right word but just just faking that hey i'm being nicer than i truly feel in my heart because i'm trying to i'm trying to make a result here i'm trying to get something done that i need done to please a customer or i'm trying to convince a customer to like me and buy something from me or whatever you know yeah and i, I don't think there's anything wrong with that i no, think just part that, of the job yeah yeah just just part of the job and you know it's kind of the there is a, a, a plausible uh, colloquialism, I, I think that's what you would call it, or a quote or whatever, where, you know, the fake it till you make it kind of uh, uh, quote, where yeah. I, I think there's a lot of plausibility in fake it till you make it. And it's better to 
be fake and be nice rather than, you know, just say, oh, hey, I'm feeling down today. Why don't you do this job for me and get it done? Okay, thank you. Bye. So it's better policy just to to fake it till you make it, even if you don't feel that way. So I'm kind of contradicting what I previously said there. But at the same time, what I what I really mean is that my goal is to try to uh, understand and have compassion. That's what I'm trying to say. Have a little bit of compassion for the person that I'm speaking with and understand their situation and speak to the situation. Because we've all been there before, whether somebody is an asshole, whether they're ignorant, whether they're young, whether they're old, whether they're whatever. You got to try to put yourself in that situation and understand it and speak to that and to the person i think yeah 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 i think so uh and i really do try to keep that in mind like really for me i'm trying to be productive most of the time in most professional interactions even social and personal interactions i'm trying to be effective and and i guess i always default subconsciously to the mindset of i know what result i'm trying to produce and so I, i i really modify my 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 actions and my chosen words to create the result that I want to get. Um, and saying things to make yourself feel better rarely is the most effective way to get the result that you're going for. And I think by being a dick to a person is, is more self-serving than it is effective. Right. Definitely. Although I'm not above being a dick sometimes. And I, I, I am aware of it and I don't do it often, certainly much less often than a lot of people. But sometimes I do kind of uh, give in to that self-serving, selfish desire to just be a dick because someone's being stupid or bugging you or whatever. I'd like to say that I don't and I'm above that, but I, I'm not. Uh, I do fall victim to that sometimes. I'm not either. And I think we, we kind of touched on this before where you, when you put in a little bit of a pause on an email that, you know, when you're angry, you know, you take a break. Take a break and wait a while. Do not respond in anger yeah. because it's, it's going to come through. And what well, I've found, you're going to be saying the words me and I. Once you start saying those, you, you're done, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're totally right. And, and that's one thing. I, uh, I love the drafts feature in email um, because that essentially means I can write anything I want, uh, fast, furious, I can say anything I want and then just close the email and save the draft and then just sit on it for a little while, you know, a minute, an hour, a day, whatever that time frame is, um, until you can, you know, reflect on uh, your thoughts, maybe cool down a little bit or, or let the situation breathe a little bit to see how things start to play out unless it's an immediate urgency, which few things are. Um, but let it breathe a little bit, see how you feel about it later, and then just pull that draft up edit it, delete it, send it, whatever. But yeah, let it breathe a little. Absolutely. One thing with the drafts that that could be dangerous is that uh, I do the same thing. I, I stop, like if it's, if it's kind of a critical email and I am upset, rather than going into the email client and writing the email, I'll write it in like notepad or something oh, like, a, yeah, like, yeah. A, like a little note thing first because you don't want to, you don't want to hit reply and send on accident. Yes. And, and certain email interfaces like Outlook 
are really easy to accidentally like hit enter when the send button is highlighted or something. I've made that mistake a few times. Luckily, I don't think I've ever made it where I was writing a scratch angry email that I didn't intend to send. Um, I've had it happen a bunch of times in Outlook where I'm not fucking finished with the email. And so I, I accidentally send like a sentence and a half like a totally incomplete email and then hit enter trying to drop down to the next line break and then boom the email goes and i'm like oh fuck and uh it just makes me look like a dumb shit where someone gets some half sentence or or incomplete response and yeah that's embarrassing that's happened a few times to me in outlook yeah i hate outlook i know i've done that too and yeah it's a spec or here's another thing that's annoying about outlook is you need to reply but Instead of doing the reply all, you just do reply back to the last person that wrote it, and you're like, oh, shit. Oh, okay. yeah, and then you got to, like, loop the rest of the fucking team and all that. Like, uh, man, come on. Yeah. yeah I hate that. Yeah. 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 You know what I did the other day that I, 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 I didn't like is I was, I, I was in the middle of, like, a, a, a heated situation at work that involved a few managers that were all looped in on the email chain, and I was the one in the dirt, like in the trenches, working the situation. So I'm basically the front line of the problem and I'm reporting back to a whole group of managers. They can't wait to see what I have to say about the whole thing. Or, you know, it, it, it matters what I have to say, right? Yeah. Uh, a super high up manager, one of these corporate guys. Oh, remember I told you I was going to be riding along with the corporate guy for a, a little while. Um, the big wig from, from the corporate offices was with me and he is the, the the authority out of all the managers that are included in the email loop. And at some point in the middle of it all, he had said, hey, you know what? Uh, this one gal who's on there, who in, in our regional sphere, our local sphere, she's a very high up, important manager. He wanted her removed from the email group. And he was like, okay, hey, uh, take her out. Uh, her name's Shelly. Take Shelly out of this group. She doesn't need to be involved. And I'm like, ooh, like from where I stand in the company, just removing Shelly from the group is not cool because she's definitely uh, above me in the hierarchy of things. And yeah. uh, he's he's way above her. So, I mean, that's his thing to say that. But I'm like, yeah, but you're not the one removing her. I'm the one pulling her out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I had to cherry pick her out of an email response back to the entire group. And the only one removed was Shelly. And so here's ooh. what happened. Uh, so I fired back an update on the whole situation, removed Shelly from the group, and uh, fired off my response. Then one of the other managers, no, it wasn't even a manager, dude. It was another guy who's who's technically below me, which I don't mean the below or above kind of hierarchy yeah. bullshit. I just mean in in the structure of the company, he's he's in a role that's I guess below me in the in the chain, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he replied back to the entire group. No. Added Shelly back in and said this. Hey, Mike, noticed you removed Shelly. I looped her back in so she has eyes on the situation. And then went on to discuss, and I'm oh. like, oh, <laughs> God damn it. You fuck. But oh. he's just being helpful. I mean, but it, it was so obvious, like, hey, I noticed you removed Shelly from the <laughs> chain. I looped her back in so she's got eyes on it. And I'm like, oh, man, that sucked. And then... Oh, that's that's just so uncomfortable. Oh, and it went unaddressed. But you know it was totally noticed by everyone on that chain where it was just like, oh, Mike pulled Shelly out and fucking the other guy put her back in, dude. Why oh. would Mike pull Shelly out? Yeah, hey, oh, yeah, I'm why sure there's all sorts of... Oh, yeah, dude. And no one knows that the super big corporate guy sitting next to me asked me to take her out of the chain. 
uh, it literally on everyone else's end just looks like I chose to cherry pick her out of the group. I was like, and oh, and he got that man. response too, right? Everyone did. Yeah, all these, all, all the managers, the the big corporate guys sitting next to me, and all the other managers uh, sitting around in all their other different offices, they all got my reply. But it looked like I just decided to cherry pick Shelly out of the group. Man, and and it's kind of tough when that guy just goes silent, right? Did it just oh, sit there? It, it just yeah, it ended. Like there there was no acknowledgement of me trying to pull her out of the email. Uh, nothing. She never brought it up. No one else said anything other than this other guy's immediate response. Hey, Mike, notice you pulled Shelly out of the chain. I looped her back in so she has eyes on the situation. Goodness. Like, uh, I, well, I told the guy verbally sitting next to me, the big corporate guy, like, oh fuck, man, look what happened, and he just laughed. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, because doesn't matter to him. He's fucking way above the whole problem. I am not, Dick. You're going to get me fired uh, because you uh, you fucking flagrantly throw around that sort of um, uh, shit. So, it's kind of a yeah. dick move. That's a little kind, bit of a dick. And, it's and, a little bit of a dick move, yeah. Why not leave her in, even if she's irrelevant or doesn't need to be in there? Like At this point, she's in, so let, let's just leave her in, right? I mean, it, it kind of speaks to me of some kind of inner office politics that's going on. Maybe, you know, oh, they yeah, got... I'm sure there's there's definitely probably more to that story. Yeah. Yeah. And mm, hopefully you don't end up working for Shelly at some point here. Uh, Yeah. And, and I've talked to her since then. She's totally cool and everything's fine. Totally has. It's not being addressed, but you know, it's there. She knows I pulled her out of that email and I don't know how she feels about it. I can't imagine she feels great about it or has any sort of a positive opinion of it happening. Uh, it happened and we're not talking about it, but it's there. It happened. Yeah, that that's, that's definitely awkward. And the, the thing yeah. is, I, I mean, and you're in a difficult situation because, you know, from your standpoint, you want to just say, hey, this dickhead told me to take you out. But, you know, you really didn't do anything wrong. You were just doing as you're told. But it would almost make it weirder and mm-hmm. more uh, just weirder if I was to tell Shelly, hey, just so you know, um, I didn't choose to take you out of that email chain like on my own. Uh, the guy, the corporate guy sitting next to me told me to take you out. That would be super weird because then that would cause some friction that may or may not even exist between them at their corporate manager level. I don't know what that would kick off, but it probably wouldn't be a good move for me to do that. Um, the only benefit from me doing that would be uh, absolving myself of any blame or any any uh, you know weirdness there. But I don't know, dude. Uh, as it stands now, I just I just let it go, ignore it. Uh, um, no one's acknowledged it, but. Like I said, you, you know it's there. You know people noticed it. Um, so yeah. yeah, there it is. There it sits. I might get fired tomorrow, and then if, if so, then we'll all know why. We'll see if she pressed you, though, if she, if she, or if she just asked you the question. Would you tell her? You just say, I mean, why not, uh, right? Could you? Y- y- oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if she ever asked me, it ever came up, I would tell her. I would never tell her, like, in an email or something weird like that, but she's super cool, and we talk, and, and she seems like a, a normal, reasonable person. I, I would just tell her. Um, but I don't want to throw corporate guy under the bus and create any problem, because what if it what if it happened where I choose to just go, hey, Shelly, it's bothering me. I don't want you to think weird of me. This is what happened, and I never chose to take you off. Corporate guy Doug told me to take you out of the email. Uh, 
then what if that created a shitstorm? What if she went to Doug and was like, hey, I don't appreciate you taking me out of the, telling Mike to take me out of the email. What if it kicked off that whole shitstorm? And then corporate guy is like, Mike, why the fuck did you tell Shelly that I told you to do that? You know, <laughs> that whole chain of events where I'm just like, oh, fuck it. I'll just absorb whatever ill will is caused by this misunderstanding and let it go. Just fuck it all. Yeah, no, that is a difficult situation. Kind of not yeah. fair. Kind of not no, fair. No, it's not fair. It's not fair. But that's corporate bullshit. That's the sort of minutiae political uh, shit that, that just goes on in office settings. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. It's just, uh, it can be cutthroat sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to watch that. You know, I, I, um, I've experienced some a little bit of cutthroatness and, and companies before. And it's, uh, it's a painful thing to watch. Cause you know, I, you're like me, like, let me do my job. Just let me do my job. I don't, I'm not trying to like climb the ladder. I'm not trying to be the biggest, best person in this company. I want to be me and I want to give the value that I give to this company. I'm not trying to climb the ladder. And, and, and if I do climb the ladder, it's just based on my own natural skill. And, uh, that's the best way to be. And that, and coincidentally it's put me at the top of the company. Um, but I never desired to be there. I, yeah. And, and I guess maybe that says something about you and, and how good of an employee you are. My, my entire behavior is dictated by my desire to serve myself. Like, I I think I look at it as I only work to make money and provide for my family. Right. Yeah. Uh, So that's the only reason I go to work and I am a good employee because I want to do better to, you know, maintain uh, an ability to support my family and hopefully further and advance my income. So I do want to do a good job, but that's the sole reason for being uh, a good employee like, I guess I have a desire to do what's best for the company, but only because that benefits me. So it's truly a selfish mindset. Uh, that's the reason I'm a good employee is because I benefit from being a good employee. You know, well, Mike, I, 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 I'm sorry. I've lost all respect for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Dude, I, think that's- dude you're, I, I love that you're honest, man, because you know what? That's. That's pretty much the truth, I think, with everybody. It, you know, it, yeah. it comes back to self and family. Let's be honest. That's the only reason I work. And, and I think I honestly am a really good employee. I do generally do what's best for the company. I keep that in mind. I try to put that into practice and my decision making and all that. And my managers, I know, feel like I'm a really good employee. They say how I exemplify the company uh, fucking culture and all that kind of good shit. Um, I like the company I work for. But when I really boil it down, yeah, the reason I give a shit about any of it is because I want it to benefit me. You know, it's yeah. a trade. It, if yeah. we look at it just in raw resource, raw resources, you're trading your time and some of your effort for money. And let's be honest, that's what it's about. Yeah. Well, time is really it, right? I mean, uh, it's the only thing that you have to sell. Um so my effort is 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 only measured in time. So how much time am I giving you? Is, is it's it's the only way that I look at it. So 
when they're when when someone says like, oh, my job is easy or my job is hard, to me that's meaningless. Like, how long does your job take you? Like, how yeah. many of how many of your minutes are you giving to that company? I don't give a shit if a minute is easy or hard. If I'm away from my family or not able to do what I want to do, if I'm giving you my minutes, how many of them am I am I needing to give to you? Uh, is the only measurement that I pay attention to. Whether I'm doing something hard or easy during that minute is basically irrelevant. I mean, unless I'm fucking breaking stones or, you know, I don't know, underground mining or something like super hard, I guess that'd be a different story, but I've never had a physical job. Um, so f- for me, at least in my experience, there's no difference between an easy minute or a hard minute. Minute is a minute, and I want to give you as few of them as possible. That's that's true on my standpoint, too. And there's a, a I think before you've asked me about uh, some subtle aspects of my job and, you know, part of my job actually is also to uh, be available at any time. Like it doesn't matter. I've gotten calls on Christmas before made oh, my wow. wife really mad and I was. I was upset too because it turned out not being an issue and I knew it wasn't an issue, but somebody contacted me on freaking Christmas anyway. But, um, so there's that aspect of the job where I, I just need to be able to be on call at any Mm -hmm. point. And what that ends up doing for me is that subtracts the amount of like complete hours that I can be available like during the week because, you know, I had to work during like Memorial day. And I didn't get a Memorial day like my mom and I didn't have my advance warning was like three days. So we had to fix an issue, get it out and get it done. Along with that was a, a relatively good amount of stress uh, for making those changes because we're making very critical changes to our production database where if we mess up or miss one little thing, it could be like the worst case scenario where you get a bug that is unnoticed for like six months <laughs> or something like that. And then you, you sure. find out six months later that, oh, this table should have joined to this table using a different key. And you're just, I mean, that's like, so like I, I balance uh, those other two things too, aside from my time. And that subtracts from the overall time that I give a lot of times. Uh, I don't oh. just sit in front of a, the, the desk eight hours a day just because I'm supposed to. No, and I and I hate those sorts of jobs. Uh, I've had them before. I, I I have also had jobs that don't require a certain number of minutes behind a behind a desk or whatever you're doing. Like I just I I my personality type is very averse to being at a job just to just for the sheer sake of being there. I don't yeah. like that. Like I'm I, I really prefer uh, a set of duties or responsibilities. Hey, you have to get this done, uh, or you're responsible for this. And it's up to you to figure out the best way to do it, make sure that it gets done. But I'm not going to sit here and watch a clock or ask you why you're five minutes late or ask you why you took, you know, a longer lunch than normal or punch in or out or any of that. I, I really, I, I, I rebel against that. And I do a much poorer job when I feel like I have to be at a place just because I need to be there just for the sheer sake of showing my face and physically being there. Um, and I do a much better job when I'm giving given autonomy and I have accountability and trust to get what needs to be done done. And that's when I that's when I do my best work. And that's when it doesn't matter whether you're you're working till five or you're home at two o'clock. 
Um, whatever that means, if you're getting done what needs to be done, then that's what matters. And that's that's the scenario that I I thrive in. And that's the sort of job I'm in right now. And that's that's part of why I really like my job is they just expect me to get shit done and they don't babysit my minutes. So when my kids are older and they start having things like fucking Christmas plays or the weird shit that you have to do during the day, like doctor's appointments and all that kind of stuff, um, is no problem. I can, I can be there and do that. Uh, and no one asks those questions. So I like that structure a lot. It works for me. And I don't know that it's the same for everybody. I think some people are better working within a, um, a very defined, very structured set of expectations. Like, Hey, be here at seven and go to lunch for one hour and, and, don't go longer than an hour and be back at your desk and then don't leave until five. And here's exactly what you're going to be making every pay period. And and I think that really works for some people, that sort of structure that they don't have to worry about. They don't have to think about a lot. They just do what's expected of them and they, they get paid. I think that works for a lot of people, but not for me. I, I need, I need to be told what's expected and I will go and do it. I'll figure out my own way and I will figure out how to do it faster than it would maybe take other people because I like to be home early. So that works for me. You're, if I was going to describe you, like you are a uh, doer, like you're not, you don't uh, get into like analysis paralysis. You don't get into, Hey, what if we do it this way? I mean, well, you do entertain that as well, but you get the job done. And that's what always struck me about you is that I think that um, I always expected you to probably have your own business and I, I can see you having your own business and you have had your own businesses before too. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, um, but yeah, you, I, I definitely see why that kind of, um, being able to control your own time appeals to you just because you get the job done and that's the trade off. Hey, I got the job done. Does it matter to you that I got it done in eight hours or 16 hours or 32 hours? I get the job done and you can count on me. And when I say I'm going to do that, I do it and I do it correctly and everybody's happy. Yeah. And I think I've built that reputation because um, that, that really is how I see things. And I feel like I'm, I'm good at that. And as far as running my own business, dude, I, I was really on that path for a while where I was just, you know, doing uh, creative services. So I was doing a lot of like uh, commercial production from the radio station and also website design. So between those two things, I was staying pretty busy and making, making none. I wasn't getting rich, but I was, I was, you know, paying my mortgage and I was getting by and had a ton of free time and freedom and I fucking loved it. And then I, um, decided to propose to my girlfriend and decided to get married. And along with that came this whole mental shift of, uh, I can no longer fly by the seat of my pants and live with uncertainty of pace, pay timelines. Like when it was just me, I was totally fine with, uh, with kind of, you know, fluctuating pay amounts and timelines and the, the uncertainty and inconsistency of working for yourself. Hell was, health insurance. That was, yeah, all that kind of stuff was fine. I had my own private health insurance. I just paid a, paid a monthly fee and all that. I did all that. That was fine. Um, I was really enjoying it. I almost liked the uncertainty in a way, I think. And then once I decided it was time to get married, then I just felt this change in responsibility. Like, okay, it's not just you. Other people would be affected by your, by your um, fluctuations of income and, and uh, the ups and downs generally. So I, I felt the need to get a real job. 
And I don't know if it was the right decision or not. It's worked out okay. I don't know where my business would be today, you know, fucking nine years after that decision. So I don't know. It's the decision I made. So it doesn't really, it doesn't help to sit and imagine what may or may not have happened had I made a different decision a decade ago. That's a waste of time. But uh, I like where I ended up. Um, And I still may, and I still have a side business and maybe I will go back to working for myself at some point. But once I got married and now, especially as I have kids, I see the importance and I feel like a better provider and I feel more comfortable knowing I have a solid company behind me that's going to pay me regularly and, and uh, not subject to the wild ups and downs of working for yourself, you know? Yeah. There, that's the same trade-off that I've really found. Yeah. And I, when I first took this job, I was coming out of a position where they kind of worked me to death and they, they really pushed hard on me. And eventually that's what drove me out because they were like, Hey, uh, when can you get this project done? And I was like, well, that's going to take me three months. And they're like, well, you got, uh, they're literally be like, yeah, you got like six weeks. I'm like, okay, well, I, I, you know, I, I didn't sign off on that. Okay. So you can't, make you know you can lead a horse to water but you can't make him drink it so i ended up quitting there and i was real reluctant to get a steady job for a while and when i'm at at the job that i'm at now it was funny because i was like i was in the driveway at work and i got a phone call and i usually wouldn't probably wouldn't answer phone calls of course this was quite some time ago this was 10 years ago and Um, I got a phone call while I was just in the parking lot at work. I was contemplating going in sick of it. It's like, I do not want to do this anymore. And I got a call saying, Hey, we would like to hire you. And it was from my boss who was in Michigan and the place that he was hiring me for was across the street. And it was just, wow. It was really interesting. It was like, where are you guys located? They're like, Oh yeah, we're right across the street from that Starbucks over there on Apollo. I was like, okay, I'm like, I could hit that Starbucks with a rock right now if I wanted to. It was so bizarre. Wow. But I ended up uh, contracting with them for a while. And kind of the way he lured me in was he said, you know what? I don't have time to fill out, like to collect your hours and pay you for the hours that you do said, I understand, you know, you, you want a contractor's life. So you keep a contractor's life and we'll just pay you a salary. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So that, that was kind of the beginnings of, of me working where I work. So it really jumped off to the great start because I had that security yet. I also have kind of a, it's always been an agreement with this company that I have a contractor's life kind of. So, so you are a, you know, an employee, but you're be, you're treated as like an independent contractor where it's just like, Hey, I mean, we just expect you to get shit done and we'll pay you a steady pay rate, a flat rate, a salary. Uh, I I like that structure. That's kind of how my job is now. So it's sales. It's a weird sales position in the sense that most sales positions are commission and you're paid a percentage for the most part of what you're selling or the revenue you're generating. And, Obviously, that can go up and down uh, quite a bit, depending on the pay structure or the product or the industry, um, on a, on a month to month basis or a week to week basis, even in in a lot of sales positions. And I'm pretty used to that. In my younger years, I really loved it because 
I was very comfortable with ups and downs and my level of responsibility was next to nothing. Um, so the low months were fine because I was a decent saver and the high months were great because then it was fucking party time, uh, uh, extra party time. So all that was great. Um, but now I really love having that steady income and in the sales position I'm in now, it's salary. So I'm making a good salary. My paychecks are the same every single pay period. It's super steady. Um, but then we also have the extra incentive that you need when you're in a sales position by team incentives. So as an entire team, as a market, if we all hit whatever goals the management team sets, then we all share in a bonus pool. And that's really cool because it gives that opportunity for incentive, but it also promotes teamwork because we all want to do better as a team because we all share in the, we all reap the rewards of a better team performance. So when one team member is looking for help, you're much more likely to be like, yeah, I'll go out of my way to help you out because we all benefit from that. Whereas in a commission, an individually incentivized commission structure, one sales rep's like, I need help. And you're like, yeah, fuck you, buddy. I'm over here doing my thing. I got to make my money. So I like you, but uh, I got to put bread on my own table, you know, sorry. So that's so cool important. Structure. Yeah, yeah no, that's a smart way to, to structure the, the company. I like the way they did that. That was part of why I came to work for this company. And that, those sales jobs, they can get, um, you know, the, the bar can always move like month to month. That's the kind of the stress that comes along with that too. Oh, it's wow. like, Oh, you made 190,000 last month for the company. Uh, that's going to be your new baseline. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, you're like, oh, wait a that, minute. <laughs> that's an interesting point, dude. Cause yeah, they're, they're always building budgets, right? So they always want to build your, your baseline. Like you said, that's perfect. And it's different for everybody. So if I'm really good and I'm selling $100,000 a month, that's my baseline. The guy sitting right next to me doing the exact same job, he's only doing 50000 a month. So that's his baseline. And then you get a much higher, in a lot of structures, not the job I'm at now, but most sales jobs, you'll get a higher percentage or a higher commission rate when you exceed whatever your goal is. So in this scenario, if I, if I sell more than $100,000 in a month, I'm going to make a bigger chunk of the pie. I'm going to get this bigger percentage once I get over that threshold. Um, the guy next to me is going to make a much bigger percentage for getting over his threshold, but his threshold is only $50,000 a month. It's half of what mine is. So if he gets up to say 70 or $80,000 in a month, he's making a higher percentage over his threshold at 50K. So he's probably earning a shitload more money than I am for selling $80,000 a month. But I have to sell over 100000 a month to even start getting the incentive. Now I'm doubling his his total sales, and uh, and he's making more money than me. That's a very common scenario in sales commission structures. And that's a bunch of bullshit. That makes you just want to walk off the job. Yeah, he's being rewarded for being worse at the job. And I'm being penalized for being better at the job. That is not cool. Those are always difficult scenarios. And, yeah, you know, those happen more for me when I worked in an office. Luckily, now I get to work from home. And this is I've been working from home for 10 years. This is like pre-COVID. I've learned how to work from home. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's like I don't hear no evil, see no evil, I guess is kind of maybe that would match. But there's been times where you just work next to somebody that you know is making more money than you because, uh, you know, you're in database administration. So, you know, the guy that has access to the, uh, um, the payroll data <laughs> Oh, yeah, and, yeah. and he ends up telling you, Hey, 
oh, Derek, by the way, Eric makes $115,000. And you're like, what? And, and this, this guy is like playing uh, um, World of Warcraft all day. Uh, he's taking Tuesdays and Thursdays off so we can do a World of Warcraft raid while I'm like building the new data warehouse, like the the way yeah. the CTO wants to. And I'm making like 90,000. I'm like, fuck this, dude. And what a dick. The payroll guy just like, oh, hey, Derek, just so you know, uh, here's a piece of information that's going to totally piss you off. Uh, you're welcome. And you're like, yeah, yeah. fuck <laughs> you, man. I was feeling good about myself. And you just came over here and told me I'm getting fucked and I have to be mad about it. Thank you for that. Yeah. And it wasn't a payroll guy. Technically, it was. And and when you're in databases, like uh, aside from the payroll people, you need people that manage your databases. So they just naturally have access to the data. So yeah. they're able to see what everybody makes. And in this company, it was it was a, a subprime mortgage company like before that went way under. And he would he would go through that database and he would kind of like say, I mean, he would tell if if I ever wanted to know what anybody made, he would tell me. And, um, you know, yeah, he, and he would offer information. And I think sometimes it was because it made him mad, too, you know, because we would go to lunch. Uh, it was us. It was three database folks in there. And then we, we would always go to lunch together and be like, you know, oh, by the way, such and such makes this. And, you know, you do. You see yourself starting to get mad just because, you know, that information It's like, I wish I didn't know that. I don't want to be uh, mad. No, no, no. And, and there's really nothing you can do about that scenario. So I, I, dude, I fall into that. I would rather not know where ignorance is bliss. Um, I fall into that category more often than maybe most people. Uh, I, I think, I think a lot of people would want to know things, even if they knew it would piss them off. I, I, I would not. Uh, I, I sometimes prefer not to know things or will actively choose not to learn something because I, I know it will piss me off. Um, I'm, and, and I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Same here. You too. I've, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've learned that. I'm like, just don't give me that. I, I don't want to be involved in any drama. Yeah. I really yeah, yeah. don't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I do vent. I need to vent sometimes. I need to just get it off my chest, but I, I don't air it out in a, publicly in a way where it's going to come back to bite me most of the time right 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 no no I, I try to avoid that same thing is like dude like i guess i'm that way where i don't know i think it's the same thing at all but it makes me think about it but like really gross videos like beheading videos would be a good example i don't know if those are still going around but remember for a while there where terrorists beheading people was a thing that circulated on the internet quite a bit yeah uh-huh. uh uh I I chose never to watch one purely because I don't want to see that shit, man. Yeah. I don't want to think about it. I don't want it to pop into a dream. I don't even want it in my memory bank. Like, I can imagine it's horrible, and that's enough for me. I don't want to see it. So I would always avoid those, even like where someone in an office in a back room or whatever is watching it. And I walk by and, Oh, Mike, 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 come in, dude, check this out. Oh my God. It's so fucked up. This guy gets his head cut off. Like, no, I'm good. Thanks. I don't, I don't want to see it. Yeah. That, that's a good point too. I, and you know, there was that time in the internet where kind of just everything was out there for a little while, you know, and you oh, just, yeah. it was like, Oh my God, I just, I could go my whole life without seeing this. Oh, like yeah. I got, now I'm going to be haunted 
I don't uh, even want, yeah, I don't want that. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't want to be able to close my eyes and picture it. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Like, I don't mean like I have ostrich syndrome where I'm just sticking my head in the sand. Like, I'm aware it exists and I'll have an opinion about it and we could even talk about it, uh, how horrible it is. Fine, all that. I'm not going to avoid it entirely, but I don't want to see it. I think at some level it like desensitizes you. Yeah, the more you see that, it, it's like, it's just like, you know, oh, that's my hundredth video of a head getting chopped off that I saw. Like, no. I, uh, do you, do you want to be okay with like, no, of course you don't want to be no. okay with seeing that. I don't want to see it ever in the first place. No, yeah, I want horrible I, things to be revolting to me. Uh, dude, I even feel that way about like guy breaks his arm on a skateboard video. Thank you. I, I hate, I, I can't take those. Th- those I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Remember on Facebook. Yeah. On Facebook, people would post some things. And I'm just like, why are you showing this? We have some friends that would post some of that stuff. And I'm oh. just like, I, I, I already know I, like there's a skateboard involved. I'm not watching because no. you see too many dislocated arms and you're just like, I don't want to know that the human body can do that. Uh, yeah. I, I don't want to see it. No, that's terrible, dude. No, it's, it's upsetting. I don't understand why anyone enjoys that. I don't get it. It's beyond me. Uh, but I'm like you, dude, as soon as that kind of thing starts and I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. Click, click. I don't want to see it. Uh, it may have just been an awesome trick for all I know, but I'll never know because I don't want to see it. No, can, I'll skip it. Can we, uh, what do you, what do you think about the logo? Our logo? Yeah. Well, why don't we save that for our next podcast? Let's, uh, we got, we got an early rendition of our, our cartoon podcast logo. We talked about our cartoon thing, I think on the last show. Yeah. And our list of completely arbitrary, useless uh, descriptions that Derek submitted. <laughs> hey, they came out. They they came to be worthy. They <laughs> some of them made it into the early draft. So on our next show, let's let's talk about it. Let's share it in the uh, in the post so people can see it. Sure. Um, but for right now, I got a jam, and uh, let's talk about our logo and share it with the crowd uh, on the next show. How about that? Sounds good, man. All right, man. Well, great talking to you, D. Always fun. And uh, you have yourself a great rest of the day, my brother. You too, Mike. Have a great one, bro. All right. Later, man. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate you joining us. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app. And for more episodes and info, check out DerekandMike.com. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.